Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. All right, welcome to episode eight of the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm Nathan Berry. Eight. And this is Barrett Brooks. I'm Barrett Brooks. <laughs> we'll just talk over each other. <laughs> I promise we know how to podcast. Um, all right, today we're going to be talking about how to launch a course start to finish, how to create and launch a course in 72 hours, uh, which should be a fun topic. I think there's a lot more that you can get done in 72 hours than you think um, if you stop refreshing numbers and all of that. But before we get into any of that, Barrett, how are you doing today? Um, I'd say I am... I'm like a yellowish green. We call it sage around here. Um, let's see, why yellowish green? Well, we needed to make a trip to the grocery store. And um, it's a little bit nerve wracking. Like, I, I don't know statistically if it's actually a risky thing, but the problem is the randomness of events uh, that could expose you to the virus are unpredictable. So uh, the good thing is our local grocery store has implemented some great measures. You have to stand six feet apart while waiting in line before you can go in, and then a limited number of people can go in. Uh, Within the store, you have to stay six feet apart at the meat counter and anywhere else where there's a potential line. And um, they have like shields in front of the cashiers and everything. And so they're doing a good job. But, you know, I wore some gloves, I put on a mask, and I went, we don't have any N95 masks, we're not hoarding those, but just the normal surgical masks, which... The more research I read, turns out any kind of mask is actually fairly helpful for preventing some level of exposure. Good to know. Um, And the government has been saying not to wear masks simply because the medical providers need them more, not because they're not effective, which makes sense if you think about it. If the medical providers need them, clearly they're effective. Anyways, give your N95s to medical professionals and wear a scarf around your face or something. So anyways, I went to the grocery store, got back. And then it's like, all right, I got to make sure that I clean this stuff and don't like, you know, I'm, I'm anal attentive and like OCD a little bit. So when it comes to this stuff, you've been wiping down all your electronics and everything before it was cool. That's true. That's true. Before it was a recommended course of action on a regular basis. So anyways, I got in my OCD head a little bit this morning and now I'm going to work the rest of the day and I feel like I'll get in a good flow. So that's why I'm Sage. How are you done? That sounds good. Uh, I'd say I'm green. I took, well, this is my third podcast recording of the day. So that's a lot. I was a guest on a couple other podcasts, uh, copy blogger and then MakerPad. So those episodes should be coming out soon. That'll be fun. Um, and then I, I took a break, got outside. We have a big field behind us. We, l- last night we planted a bunch of fruit trees. Uh, that was nice to do. More fruit trees. Yeah. Well, you can never have too many fruit trees, really. You know, you can be a minimalist in many areas of your life, but orchards are not an area that calls for minimalism. So I love it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just good. It's, it's sunny outside today. Yesterday was pretty cold. Yeah. So that has me green. Um, you know, Idaho did switch over into a shelter in place yesterday. They weirdly defined the liquor stores as necessary, which is, (laughs) you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I disagree. I was just right. Uh, they're also state run in Idaho. So I don't know how much that, <laughs> that ties into it. Got to keep that revenue coming. Yeah, they're going to need it. Um, 
So we're just playing through some of the implications of that. It was like, it was a bunch of stuff that we need for the farm. And we're like, how much do we need this? We don't need it like we would need groceries. We don't need groceries, but you know. And so these trade-offs of like, okay, I guess we're not, we're not going to the store for that. All right. So just making some adjustments there. But otherwise things are good. There was an article here in the Oregonian, I think just yesterday, about how packed Lowe's and Home Depot have been. Oh, man. Like some of the most crowded stores in the state, I guess, because now everyone's home and they're looking at around their house and they're like, oh, I got to do some work around here. Yeah. Entertaining, but not safe. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I went to Lowe's on Saturday, pulled in the parking lot, the, the most packed I've ever seen it, kept driving through pulled out the other side and went home. I was like, I don't, I was just going to get like four or five things for the tiny house. And I was like, I have plenty of projects to do. I don't need to uh, participate in, in that. Um, I was going to say something else. It's going well. Oh, randomly for anyone running a side hustle. So it's been interesting running an Airbnb during this time. We've got our, uh, little fourplex that we've been renovating and, and, uh, you know, we had a bunch of cancellations related to the coronavirus. We have one unit online right now and another one coming up online this weekend. And we had people using, they weren't canceling because of the coronavirus, but they, since Airbnb changed, changed their policy, like it was like their house was available sooner. So they canceled a whole week of stay. Anyway, it's like, okay, well, you probably needed the money more than I did. So that's fine. Right. But we actually just got a booking on that one unit for an entire month. And so it's like, okay, that's going to be good. So that little side hustle Seems like it's going steady and we'll see how it goes. That's awesome. For more context, if you haven't read Nathan's uh, newsletter or blog about it, he, uh, with a couple of friends, bought a four unit, almost like apartment building in a way, and they're converting it and remodeling it into beautiful, like modern little Airbnb units, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, let's check in on uh, some numbers. I actually haven't looked. I haven't looked either. I, f- I find myself detaching from it. It's like the numbers are so big now that it's just a lot, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And, and I think that they just don't mean as much anymore, which is kind of this, not they're not meaningful, but it, they become unrelatable. Right. Which is the scary part <laughs> yes, about it. it is. Okay. So we're over 500,000 total globally. That had to happen. Half a million. Italy is right behind China, knocking on the door. China's holding number one at 81,782, and Italy's got 80,589, and we are mm-hmm. not far behind. Okay, so today, while we were wondering, we were kind of taking bets. You know, you got to bet on something. There's no sports to bet on or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of what day the U.S. would pass Italy, it will be today. Yeah, over, over New York Times reports, over 14,000 new cases in the U.S. yesterday. That was after we had two days of almost flat growth, uh, not flat, but flat equal new. growth. Yeah. And then it picked up again. So continues to accelerate. Oh man. All right. Well, let's, <sighs> uh, let's use our time to dive into talking about how to create and launch a course in 72 hours. Yes. I'm really excited about this topic because uh, a weekend is a perfect time to think about this topic in. And as I was uh, grocery shopping, I was thinking about what I wanted to kind of contribute related to this conversation. And one of the biggest things I thought we could start with is the mindset you have to have about a course when you're thinking about doing it in a short period of time. And um, I think it's a great opportunity to talk about this concept of MVP or minimum viable product, or in this case, minimum viable course. 
And I think one of the most important things you have to remember is you are going for only the essentials when you're doing something quickly like this. And you have to understand the difference between what is paramount for someone to understand related to the topic you're about to teach versus what you could add later. Uh, and so I think about things like the core lessons, you know, I always go to things like how to find a great job because that's what my old business was. And there's all of these ideas I have about like interviewing people who work at incredible companies and having that as bonus material for the course or searching through applicants who we've hired and asking their permission to include their cover letter or resume as an example of a great one that leads to getting hired. Those things can be added later. They aren't necessary in order for someone to understand how to get a job because all the stuff they need to know is just up in my head. And so one of the first things that you need to know is what is the minimum viable and viable is really important too. So there's enough information that it's really valuable, but it's not so much that you can't get it done. So you got to go in thinking, what are the essentials? Yep. That's really good. And, and that's where we kind of started. We, we broke this down into three days, right? 72 hours, three days. So day one being create the content and the outline, you know, and then also get that landing page spun up day two, it's time to film and edit and day three, you're going to add that level of polish and then you're going to start promoting. So as we dive into that, right, you know, you're talking about that content outline of finding the most essential things. I always start with a brain dump, just putting everything down that I think could go in there and then start to, to analyze it based on two categories. One is what do I think is most useful? And let's prioritize that content because this is going to be the first version of the course and we're going to keep iterating on it. Like, don't think that, oh man, I get this out. It's set in stone. And like, that's the course. Instead, it's like, the point is to launch and get going quickly and then iterate from there. So it's what's most useful because we want to start there. And then what actually can be done quickly. Like there's a lot of things in the truly great course, the version you have dreamed up for version two, version three or whatever that are going to take time. Maybe there's some of those interviews or you want to compile more information that you can't get to right now. So still list that out, but know that it's not going to be in that very first version because it's going to take some more time. Yeah. And the other thing here is, um, I think, especially if this is the first course you're creating, you're going to have a tendency to want to include everything. Number one, you're going to have a tendency to want it to be completely scripted. And something you've got to realize going in is you don't have time to script if you're trying to get something out quickly that captures your knowledge and teaches people something valuable. And so anytime I'm giving a talk or, uh, or I'm going to deliver a workshop, or even if we're, I'm going to lead a team meeting, I always think about in the concept of almost like, um, let's call them clothes hangers. And each clothes hanger is a point that I want to make. And in between hanging that clothes hanger and the next one, which is the next key point that I want to make, I've got a little room to kind of riff and just share some perspective that doesn't have to be word for word exact. It just needs to capture the basics of what I know about the topic and that I want to share. And so another way that people talk about doing this is picking points in a room that you're talking in. And that being kind of like you're talking to the first point while looking at the first point in the room, you're talking to the second point. Well, so my bookshelf is a point about knowing the kind of company you want to work for. My whiteboard is thinking about your personal values related to that. My window over here is you presenting yourself in a light that makes them want to hire you. And so there are these little tools you can use. And the point is your outline should be the key points you want to make, not every word that you're trying to say when you're filming, because you just don't have time to write every word. Yep. That's good. So let's focus on 
so there's that outline. We'll get into filming tips as well coming up in just a second. But once you have that content outline of what you're going to cover, that's actually going to give you some of the, what you need for the landing page. And I think there's a tendency to want to do the landing page very first. And we advocate like create a landing page really early, but do the content outline first, because then as you do that brain dump and start to format the, your outline, then you'll know, okay, this is who it's for. This is what I'm teaching. And then some of those headlines start to come together. So as you turn to creating a landing page first, uh, I would say go to landingpage.new. There's 40 templates there. You can choose a great template, totally free, uh, and start creating the template for your course or ebook or whatever it is that we're putting together. And a couple of things you're going to find. One, if you put some great imagery in there, it'll make the template look really good from the default. So a little design quick tip is go search that unsplash integration, find a photo that looks really good and then fade it over a background color. So fade it over a red background or, you know, like a a rich blue or something like that. And that's going to give a bit of depth and interest to your landing page that you didn't have before. And then the other thing is know that writing the headline is going to be one of the most difficult things. And so we have some more resources here that maybe we can link to in the show notes. But um, the first thing is just write something down. You know, even if it's really vague of who it's, you know, this is the course for uh, whoever, you know, um, uh, I've started things like, uh, you know, Photoshop for web design and, and like title the course that, and that works as a headline to get started. Another way that you can think about it, our friend Clay Abair has this little formula that he does of um, verb your noun. So you just say like, grow your audience, fund your dream, any of these things that you can put in there. And so there's a few of those little headline formats that can work well. Yeah. And I almost think about a headline as there's kind of two ways I tend to write them. One is a promise I'm making to the person. I will help you whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of fits in nicely with, uh, with Clay's formula as well. You know, you don't put in the, I will help you, but if you think in terms of, I will help you fund your dream, that works really well. And so thinking about the promise you're making to the person that they're going to get out of taking your course. Another way uh, to think about it is what is the person, the ideal person, the one person, and I think this is actually a really good tip, who's the one person you're making this course for? What is their desire that they want? What is it that they wish they could change about their life or the thing that they hope for the most? You're trying to capture that in one quick little, you know, not even a sentence really, it's just a few short words. And I'd say if you can keep it six to eight words or less, the fewer, the better. If you can capture the core idea, that's what you want in a headline. Yeah. So once you've got that basic landing page, you know, start by tweeting it out, sharing. I would even claim the goal publicly of, I am starting to create this content and the course will launch on uh, Monday morning, you know, at 8 a.m. or whatever time. By Friday at 5 p.m., this course is going live. Uh, you know, sign up here so that people can follow along and they can get excited about your journey and all of that. So get that landing page up, keep it really simple. You don't need to give away a sample chapter or a free lesson or anything like that. Your call to action is purely be the first to hear when this is available. And so you get that landing page up. Um, Let's turn our attention to day two for a second. So we're talking about filming and sitting down to film. And there's three tips that I want to run through really quickly that make a huge difference when you're filming. Um, and we'll get into, you know, talking about some of the other structure things, but as you turn on that camera, you're going to get in front of it and then you're going to totally not know what to say. 
Like you're going to screw it up. <laughs> you're going like, it's just, it's going to be terrible. And then you're going to walk around behind the camera or if you're using your webcam or whatever, you're going to stop that recording, delete that file, and you're going to start over. And that is a terrible way to go because it's this like stop and start and these little jerks and it's not going to get you anywhere. So the biggest tip is leave the camera running. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things poorly, whatever else. And instead what you do, instead of stopping or starting the recording, you just do a snap or a clap. And that indicates to yourself editing later that you want to come back and clean that up. And so when you're editing, you'll look in those, in that audio file for the little spikes that are very obvious claps or snaps. And that's what you edit off of. So by leaving the camera running, you're actually gonna let yourself get in a groove, get more comfortable, keep talking uh, and go from there. The second one is to follow an outline, not a script. There are professionals who can read and, you know, the reading off teleprompter and you can't tell, and they sound fantastic. And I'm not one of those professionals. I'm guessing that you're not one of those professionals either. And it's so obvious when someone is reading that intro or reading off a script. And so instead, like Barrett said, have those, uh, those sections that you want to go through. Okay. In this two minutes of what I'm talking about, I'm going to cover these four points and I have them mentally mapped to the parts of the room. And so when I see the couch over there, I'm like remembering, okay, that's point number four. Let's talk about that. And if you make a mistake, quick little snap, say it again and dive back in, but try to find that flow rather than reading. And then the final tip that I have on this is if you're recording tutorial type content. So I did a whole course on Photoshop for web design. It's a bunch of short lessons, you know, three to six minutes per lesson and a lot of live screencasts, right? Because I'm showing you instead of scripting out every single thing, I would record the whole lesson, set that file aside and then record the exact same thing again. And so there was no outline or any of that. I just had a rough concept. And in doing it twice, uh, I found that the runtime for the same content was about half the length each time. And it was just more polished and and all of that. And it was still way faster than like writing a script and, and detailing out each thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, a couple of ideas for these times. Number one is you don't need a nice camera to film a course. That's the first thing. Sound is way important, way more important actually than video. So if you weren't going to start tomorrow, I would suggest ordering a mic. If you don't have any kind of mic, order some kind of mic. We can link to a, a post in the show notes, a guy named Chase Reeves, who I used to work with, did a great breakdown of a bunch of different mics and what they're good for and different price points and all that. But um, order a mic and then use your iPhone, your webcam, your Mac camera, Anything will work from a video standpoint. You know, I think even this background for me, this would work okay, especially if I put like a blanket up over my window so there weren't reflection. Or I could do my bookcases over here as a background. So something, you don't want it to be distracting, but you want a little texture, I think, that gives your, your videos a little character beyond just you being a, a talking head bobbling up and down. The second thing is a whiteboard. Like if I were filming right here, if I could have a whiteboard over there, or if you want to entertain your kids, you could say, you're going to be my producer for my TV show. You want to help? And they could hold up little note cards or something like that. So that's another, you know, having the outline somewhere back behind you or on an easel or whatever you can come up with can be a really reassuring thing. And sometimes you don't even need it, but just knowing it's there is comforting. And then the last thing I would say is, um, oh, shoot, I'm going to lose it. It was the outline on the whiteboard. And maybe we'll come back to it. 
It'll come back to it. Yeah. Keep going. Um, quick thing to add there. Uh, your phone camera is really quite good. So if you don't have an HD or a high-end webcam or some other camera, uh, the phone camera is a great default. And then if you have a spouse with a phone or you happen to have a spare phone, you can record the audio. So say I, I set this up, you know, I've got this camera, I'm recording in landscape view because all videos should be recorded in landscape. And I have that set up over on my tripod or however I have it rigged up, like that's on the bookshelf and it's like awkwardly propped into place. That's fine. But then if I have a second phone, I could bring that much closer and record the audio, you know, some way that I can get it out of the shot. Like, I don't know if you can have it right up here, you know, just barely out of the shot. And I record my audio on that and I can sync it up later. That works well also, but don't let any of those things get in the way. Like you can dive in. There's a tool called Soapbox by Wistia that does a great like screencast and, you know, live shot of you and lets you cut between them nicely. And I would just start there. And remember the same thing with the recording twice. This is the first version of the course. Sometime in the next week, month, um, or six months, you'll record the second version. And for that one, you'll know more of what you want to say and you'll have a better camera set up and a better audio set up for it. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. Sometimes it's a lot easier to share your knowledge if you're being interviewed. And so one way to go about this, especially if this is your first course and you have an understanding spouse who is also motivated for you to make money from building a course is you could write the questions and they could ask them to you in order. And it's really easy actually to cut that out. Don't talk to them, talk to the camera, obviously, but having them in the room and asking the questions as you go as prompts can be a really great way for you to stay in a groove and just answer them, which is a really natural conversational way that people I think will enjoy. And so that might be a little hack for getting past some of the like, uh, I can't do this on camera type thing. So anyway, some little tips here and there to uh, get going. That's really good. Okay. Editing. Here's what you're not trying to do with editing. You're not trying to create a motion picture that's going to debut in theaters. You're trying to get the minimum respectable edit, which means cutting out. Sometimes you can leave in a a blooper here and there, but cutting out the stuff that doesn't belong. So the content that you meant to cut out or, you know, the first take or whatever, you're cutting that out. Maybe you do some lower thirds that just highlight the topic. So a lower third is just a little bit of text or graphic that comes across the bottom of the screen. You see this on newscasts when they put up their name or the headline that they're talking about. And that's probably about it. I don't know that you need much more than that for a first pass. Um, Nathan, you may have a couple of tips for things that you do that make it a little more polished, but you're not looking for much in the edit. Yeah. So the other thing that I would say, and this is a tip that's also from Chase Reeves, who you mentioned is edit backwards. So the tendency is to start at the beginning and go forwards. But remember, if we're leaving the camera running and we're doing these snaps um, at the end of every bad take, then your last take of any idea is going to be the best one. Because when you were happy with it, you moved on. And so if you edit backwards, you're going to go and chop up you know, going through your best takes and moving backwards. Um, and it's way faster. Uh, it really speeds things up. The other thing that I'd say is just know that you can always re-upload another version of the video. So if the first one, you do this quick edit, like it's the right content, but there, there's no B-roll. There's, you didn't cut over to the screencast the way that you wanted to or that. That's fine. We'd suggest uploading this to Wistia because you can have, uh, you can track the views and other things like that. And Wistia will let you re-upload the same video multiple times. So you could get this up there and say, okay, it's good enough, but I'm not proud of it yet. And then, you know, next week when you have a little more time, 
you could dive in and do a second round of the edit, get some more details and polish in there, and then upload the latest version. I like that. One other tip, if you're really feeling ambitious, is um, you could use a tool like Canva and create kind of a template for an intro screen that would say the name of the lesson. And and that would add even just a little bit of extra layer of polish. And I would only do that if you've got the spare time on day two, because it'll be fine without it either way. Yep, for sure. Um, Let's talk for a second about where to actually host it. Because I realized I said, you know, hosting on Wistia, that gives you a ton of flexibility, especially if this is a free course. Um, or an email course where, you know, you're just sending out daily emails, but you know, if you're charging for this course, you're ultimately going to want to host it on uh, a paid platform. There's three that, uh, we work with and recommend the most, uh, those would be teachable, uh, thinkific and podia. They're both great platforms joined by friends of ours. So I'd check out each one, um, play with it a bit, but please don't spend all of your time on choosing the right platform. Cause at this stage, you want to spend your time creating content and then the platform that you go with is more of a secondary decision. It's not the most important thing right now. That's right. If you get stuck in that decision, a zip file with all of the videos delivered by Gumroad or ConvertKit is a better option than a platform. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I was going to say is I think a lot of people have a question about how much content is enough for a course. And what I would be shooting for if I were making a course that I was going to charge a couple hundred dollars for is maybe 90 minutes of really solid content at most. And so that neglects, you know, any bonuses or interviews you might include, but I'm not going for more than 90 minutes of content. Number one, because people don't have that long of attention spans. And number two, if I can't cram it into 90 minutes, I'm not clear on what I'm trying to teach. So at most, I'd say you're going for 90 minutes. If you're going for something more like free, I'd say a half hour max. You don't need to be recording more content than that for something that's going to be free. And if you chop that up into let's call it three to six minute lessons, you're going to get a lot of content out of that amount of time. And so you should be able to record if you kind of, let's call three times the content length is what you might take to record with different takes and things like that. You should be able to record in about half a day um, your content here and then transition maybe after lunch if you're working a full day into editing on day two. Yep, I completely agree there. Um, Another thing that I would say is, uh, let's talk pricing for a second. So when you launch this thing, there's two competing things that are going to happen. Is it really worth this amount of money that everyone's saying I should charge? And it's not quite at the level of polish and everything that I want. So something amazing you can do here is you could say, let's say we're teaching something really, really important. Well, let's go with design skills, right? Uh, if you implement all these design skills, you're going to level up your career. It could be really, really meaningful. So I'm going to charge a good amount of money for this. Maybe I want to charge $200 for this course. But what I have right now is the MVP and I don't feel good charging $200 for the MVP. So what I do is I launch and say, okay, this is where we're going. This is what it's ultimately going to be. But if you buy now, I'm going to give you this and all future updates at $50. So I have this incredible pre-launch price, maybe it's $75, whatever you pick, depending on how much you get done. And you're able to offer this great price to the early you know, the people who backed you from the beginning and also feel like it's really justified. And then you can ramp up and get momentum instead of launching this thing at a really high price when you know that the value is not there yet and you feel uncertain about about your offer. I love that. I'm just going to call out, this is going to be a 40 minute episode today because we've got a lot to say on the topic of creating a course. And I think it's really valuable for, uh, especially people who are looking for new revenue streams right now. Yeah. Um, So we've still got day three to get to. Yeah. You want to talk through some on day three. And then I want to show an example, maybe to conclude this of a course that I created start to finish in 24 hours. 
I love it. Okay, so day three, we called this polish and promote. So here's how I want you to think about your your third day, which is the last one you have to create this thing. You wake up, you have some breakfast, you grab a cup of coffee or tea or whatever you do in the morning, and you sit down. You get 90 minutes. That's all you get to pop, uh, to polish. So if that means adding, it, you know, going into Canva and creating something as an intro screen, if that means adding lower thirds to your videos, uh, when I say polish, I mean polishing the edit. So any nice little touches you can add that gives it a layer of professionalism that's not there that you weren't able to get to on day two, that's what you get, but you only get a little bit of time. So you don't get to spend all day on that because perfectionism is the enemy when it comes to creating a course and getting it out there. And every ounce of your body is going to be saying, I can't do that. I can't actually publish this. I'm, I've made a horrible mistake. And the thing is, that's what everyone feels. That's what I would feel. That's what Nathan would feel. It's what everyone feels. And your job is not to listen to that. So on the promotion side, here's how I would think about promotion. Where do people follow you right now already? So whatever social media platforms that you typically use where people are following along, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, wherever, is somewhere where you want to mention it, obviously. Ideally, you've got a little bit of a pre-launch list thanks to creating your landing page on day one and people paying attention. So you've got some people to send some emails to. And those, that's pretty much it. That's where I would start. I would start with social media and emailing your list. When it comes to emailing your list, you get three emails. That's all you get for promotion this first time around. The first email is, hey, it's live. Here's what you're going to get from it. You're, think about each email gets one point. You get to make one point per email and you get to have one link per email. Okay, that's it. You don't get to link people to a bunch of different stuff. You don't get to make 12 points. One point. Day one, you're launching. What is the core value proposition of the course? So all you're doing is you're reinforcing the headline from your landing page with a bit more content. Think of it like three to four paragraphs about what someone's going to get from this course and how their life will change as a result of having taken it. Email two. Ideally, this would go out, let's call it two or three days later. And in that time, what I would do is I would have a really trusted friend who maybe kind of cares about this content, go through it and then give you a quote about what they thought about the content and why they thought it was great. Tell them to say their critis- their critical feedback for you to do version two, but this is their nice feedback. And their nice feedback is the subject of email too. It's social proof for someone that has taken it, liked it, and here's what they thought. So that anyone that's on the fence and maybe hasn't bought it or didn't sign up yet, if it's free, has a reason to do that based on someone else's opinion. And then the third email I would probably approach this like an open close launch for the first time. And I just say, Hey, the, or even just the introductory price is going away on this day. Let's call it five days after launch. So you email day one, day three, day five. And that email is a reminder of why it's valuable, what the price is now and what it's going up to as of midnight tonight. Get in now if you want to take advantage of the early pricing. That's all you got to do on day three of your 72 hour creation for promotion. That's all good stuff. All right, I want to show this project that I did, I want to say back in 2014. Um, I know it was after ConvertKit launched because it uses ConvertKit, but that's all I know as far as dates and times. So it is called 10 Days to Better Design. Uh, It was my challenge to myself to make and launch a course, not in 72 hours, but actually in 24 hours. Um, And I did even get a little bit of sleep in there too. So this is now super old, but um, just walk you through it. So basically what it is, is it's 10 lessons, um, basically lessons and design skills all delivered through ConvertKit. It's a little different in that I didn't do much video, but as it breaks down, it's a lesson a day for 10 days, walking you through it. 
there's me looking super young. Um, I charge a really <laughs> low price for it of just $10. <laughs> Um, yeah, you. You get your laughter in there now, Barrett. Um, would you say I look 12 or 14? Oh, you're at least 14. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, you know how to iron at that point. clearly. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but you know, a little thing that I even did is here. I had multiple packages, which we could do a whole episode on pricing, but yeah, uh, this was just sold through Gumroad. Um, and then it was delivered through ConvertKit. So basically what happens is, is I jump over into ConvertKit, what you'd see is uh, each exercise going out a day at a time. And uh, it's just the details and the lesson. I'll show you a couple of these. Um, oh, like I took this, I had a whole lesson on how design is in the details. And then we took an example of a news site, in this case, Fox News, and had people redesign it and like get into the spacing and alignment. Um, another lesson that I did is took, uh, this isn't the one I was thinking of. Oh, one of the last ones. Right, trying to teach people design lessons. And so I took a screenshot of the entertainment area in my car, right? So you control the radio and all this on the little touch screen and said, okay, this has all kinds of design problems in it, but now you have all the, all the data and all the information. So here's some lessons on how to design it. And I gave people a Photoshop file and, and uh, stuff like that. And then I had a little link at the bottom where people could come together and share their work and, you know, all the students could participate in it. So this was not a massive thing to do. It came together quickly. I did it in a format where I could keep iterating and improving on each lesson. I didn't charge a crazy price. I was at $10 and $15 because that matched kind of the scope of what I was doing. And then I launched it really quickly and uh, I sold about 250 copies of it. And it was really great practice for me. People loved it. Um, And it proved to myself and to other people that you can launch a, a course or a new product a lot faster than you think. Totally. And in a time like this, you know, that's a rent or mortgage payment or, you know, several months of groceries or whatever that looks like. So just a good reminder that the motivation for this episode is uh, very much of the times and knowing that some people need new sources of income. And um, a course is a great way to do that quickly. Um, Today is a Thursday as we're recording this live. So you have the perfect weekend window coming up. Emily, our listener who says she hasn't filmed her videos yet, even though she's had a course finished since, since January. It sounds like um, Monday we'll see you on the show and, and you'll have your course out, which is really exciting. I love it. Uh, let's dive into creators of the day and, and so to wrap this up. Um, one quick thing, tomorrow is Q&A Friday. So get yes. some questions ready. We'll do that. But Barrett- Tweet us, tweet us the questions yes. for tomorrow and we will uh, compile them all and answer them live. Um, creators of the day. Let's see, my creator of the day is a food blogger and actual farmer named Andrea Bemis. Uh, Bemis. Her and her husband, Taylor, own a farm um, just near Mount Hood, east of the city here in Portland. Uh, my wife and I belong to their CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, which is where you pay money up front for the season. And they bring us uh, fresh vegetables every week, actually. So she also has a food blog called Dishing Up the Dirt, and a fantastic cookbook as well. And um, the recipes are really good. I, I would think of them as like fresh, healthy farmhouse cooking, basically, is her kind of style. I'm a huge fan of Andrea. I really hope we can get her out to uh, speak at Craft and Commerce at some point. But um, they just had their first kid as well. They're, they're a great follow on Instagram uh, if you want to follow them there. Their farm is called Tumbleweed Farm. And they're a lot of fun to learn from, especially if you're interested in running a food blog or if you're just enjoying cooking, if you enjoy cooking great, delicious food. 
Oh, I love that. I'll have to check them out. All right. The one that I have is David Latimer, who runs New Frontier Tiny Homes. He's out in Nashville. He's very excitable guy, uh, re- really into great woodworking and all of that. But he just makes these tiny homes that are absolutely next level. Some of the the nicest ones out there. I'm trying to think, you know, this one here that you can see, but if you check out his Instagram, whoa, it's just absolutely gorgeous places. This, his stuff is what inspired me on my tiny house. I didn't want to do a garage door cause that was beyond my skill level, but to do a big double French door and then, um, a big sliding door opposite it. So that the living room in my tiny house has a ton of natural light. So They've got all these amazing tiny houses that they've built, but newfrontiertinyhomes.com, uh, some great design inspiration. Oh man, the photography on those are great. Oh yeah, they're they just the level of polish across everything. But my favorite thing about him, go back on his Instagram and if you like dig back through the blog and his first tiny house is completely average. Like you can see his improvement over time. He didn't come in as like one of the greatest, you know, tiny house builders of all time. He, you can see how he worked up to it and it's pretty cool. It's all there in public. I love that. Um, okay. Resources of the day. Uh, you are going to catch on that. I'm thinking about and reading, thinking about books and reading a lot right now, because what else am I going to do? Um, I've had a Kindle forever. Um, like, I, I don't know, it's like maybe a first generation Kindle and it works perfectly fine, but we had a kid and the kid goes, to, I think I mentioned this on another episode, the kid goes to sleep early and then I lay down and my Kindle, which doesn't have any backlight does not work in the dark. So my wife with credit card points ordered me a Kindle paper white. That's just got the backlight. I don't want anything else on my Kindle. I just want to read. So I don't want the like full, you know, tablet version, but I got a paper white. And now every night I can go in my room after my kids asleep, my wife was already asleep. You know, that's fine. I can leave the lights off and not disturb anyone. And I can read before bed to take my, my mind off of things, which is fantastic. So if you don't have a Kindle, well, it doesn't matter what e-reader you get, but I use a Kindle and, uh, get one with backlights. You can read in the dark. Yeah, that's good. All right. Mine is a card game called Hanabi. Um, if you happen to be spending a lot of time at home, uh, without your friends, so it's you and your spouse, like in a hypothetical situation, if that were to ever happen, uh, there aren't very many two player games. And this is one that looks like Hillary and I have had since December 21st, 2015. It's this like sort of deck building game that you can play, um, just the, you know, two of you, or you can have more friends. Uh, basically you can see their cards and they can see yours, but you can't see your own. It's super fun. It's challenging and you really have to work together and strategize. So I like it. You should check it out. Love it. Um, okay. Thought of the day comes from, uh, James clear. I was thinking earlier, I'm just going to text James and tell him that we actually have a podcast that is just a podcast version of his newsletter. Yeah. Uh, Cause we reference him so much, but, uh, he's got this great concept that he teaches called, uh, start before you feel ready. And the premise is a lot like what you were just saying about the tiny house guy, that um, it may not be as polished as you want it to be. This correlates nicely actually to Ira Glass's quote on taste versus ability. Maybe we'll use that. Maybe we'll read that in an upcoming episode. But this is the perfect episode to embrace the idea that you should start before you feel ready because you know something, you already know something, you have some kind of expertise that someone else could learn from you and not your peers, not people who know more than you, 
all the people who know nothing about the topic is who you're making this course for. So start before you feel ready. Friday's a great day to do it. Or maybe if you want to do it during the work week because your kids are home, they want you on the weekend, whatever. But um, take advantage over this next week and maybe consider spending 72 hours starting before you feel ready by making a course. All right. That's all we've got for today. Tweet us some, some questions. I was going to say lessons. No, we're providing the lessons. Actually, if you have lessons for us, you can send us lessons on Twitter as well as questions. Uh, but tomorrow we'll be back at the same time, same place for Q&A Friday. All right. Have a good day. We'll catch you later. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.